0: All right, uh, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Um, tonight we're excited to have Nate Baker. Uh, he's the co-CO line coach at Savannah State. Coach, how you doing tonight, man?
1: I'm doing good. How are y'all?
0: Great, Coach. Well, we're hanging in, right, navigating the still craziness of COVID, but, um, you know, we're, we're hanging in. So why, so, why don't you kick us off? I was going to say real
2: um, quick, Coach, I had I, we got the whole season in. And, Matt, tell them about your season real quick.
0: It starts February 8th, 7th. <laughs> so they haven't played yet, you
1: know. Join the club, Matt. Join the club. Yeah. We're right there with you, my man. We just got done with fall practice. Somehow yeah, we made it. So, well, buddy,
0: we just started working with our kids two weeks ago on Tuesday after not seeing them since March in person. So – I'll, I would take fall practice. I would have taken fall practice. Um, yeah, we were I'm glad you guys did. do it without without hesitation. That's a good thing. Yeah you're lucky. All right, so um, kick us off, man. talk us talk talk to us about your background, right? So you know where you played, um, where you've coached that, that led up to um, where you're at now at Savannah State. Yeah,
1: yeah so I uh, I started off at Georgia Southern. Um, went there, thought I was going to be able to, you know, get on the team. And I and I had an opportunity to do all that, but I I really went there to coach. And so after I kind of seen how everything worked, I was like, you know, I really just want to coach. And so Coach Hatcher gave me an opportunity um, to kind of come in and be a student assistant and just kind of teach me the ropes to how everything works. So I did that for a year and a half with him. And then uh, Coach Munkin came in, and that's kind of when I got – to really start to really do some stuff, coaching wise, whenever Coach Monken and Coach Davis came in, um, it just worked out to where Coach Davis didn't get an assistant line coach, and um, I got to be his assistant there his first year and kind of work with him throughout um, the next four years, working in different spots. But O line in the first year, and then going back to O line my last my first year as a GA. Um, so I was there with him from. Uh, I was there with Coach Monken. well, Coach Hadger was two seasons, and then Coach uh, Munkin was all four seasons there with him and um, getting to work with Coach Davis and being in the triple option and really learning how that stuff worked was – it was really an incredible experience, something that I had never really imagined. We had – I'd been to Georgia Southern camp when I was in high school and went to all those things and did the triple option camp and did all that stuff, um, but I just never really anticipated actually – being able to coach in it, and so next thing I knew, we're you know I'm coaching over there, doing that, and then Coach Fritz came in. So, um, but yeah, in 2014, when Coach Fritz came in, that was a really uh, it was a new experience for me, and they I got to know those guys um, with Coach Roos and Coach Atkins, getting the getting to kind of learn about them and learn about what they were doing, and it was very intriguing to me. It was something that we had kind of started doing with Coach Davis, and it was something that they uh, that they had been doing at Sam Houston State or Coach Rush had been doing at Sam Houston State with Coach Fritz. And um, it was intriguing. So I was like, this is cool. Going to get to do option principles, but kind of learn more traditional inside zone power and stuff like that. And so I ended up staying there for uh, two seasons with Coach Fritz, And then everything kind of – Coach Fritz went to Tulane, and I was like, I I want him ready to be a full-time coach. So I went to Georgia Military College and spent three years there. And so uh, going to Georgia Military College was an interesting experience, coaching JUCO football, um, running just a traditional offense, something that I had never been in. You know, even with Coach Hatcher, my first year and a half, I mean, he was a spread it out, throw it around, mesh – you know, quick game, get the ball out, you know, we're running the ball, but throwing screens, doing all that stuff to being in like an offense that ran inside zone, power, ISO, stretch, doing all those different concepts. It really kind of helped complete me as a coach. And um, it taught me a lot. Like I thought I was like, I thought I knew my stuff. And then I got there and I was like, yeah, I'm not as good as I thought I was. But um, so that was a good, that was a good refining process for me to just kind of learn about all the different things that went into just what a traditional offense looks like. And so getting to coach great players and, uh, you know, being around um, a bunch of coaches that have been doing it a while, that was really, really cool to see kind of like a different side of it. And um, getting to meet a bunch of coaches that came in to recruit my guys. So anywhere from, you know, the local NAI school, um, all the way up to UGA, South Carolina, and whatnot so like in one signing class i had a kid sign to south carolina i had a kid signed to troy and coastal carolina had a kid signed at alabama state and i had, had a kid go to virginia union and they all played together like they were all in the same line so it was really interesting to see kind of like what that looked like you know and just being able to play with guys at different levels having to coach different abilities was a really good learning experience for me because you couldn't coach every kid the same way. Some kids were natural. Some kids weren't, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was awesome to be a part of that. And then coach Quinn, I worked with the Georgia Southern. He got the job over at Savannah state and, you know, decided to bring me in to be the line coach and co-offense coordinator. So it was pretty cool. So getting to kind of put in a little bit of all the concepts that I've done over the last eight years and, And so, yeah, being, uh, being able to kind of put all those concepts together that I've been that I've been able to do for the last couple of years has been um, pretty cool to see. So that's that's been nice. Um, I've been able to hire three former players now, trying to get a fourth former player. So um, we have a lot of Georgia Southern blood within our staff. So that's been pretty cool. And we have one coach that was played at Western Carolina. So he's like, Well, I guess I'm like a Georgia Southern guy now because no one cares about Western Carolina anymore, you know. So it's been really cool to kind of see that. But just bringing in guys that have been a part of the culture um, that was built at Georgia Southern by Coach Munkin and continued on by Coach Fritz and even Coach Johnson, you know. A lot of the same traditions at Irk They passed on from Irk, you know, to Coach Johnson and all those guys down the line. So it's been pretty cool to see that and being able to work with a group of guys that – have the same mindset and have done it really helps. You know, being able to pull up film of you know the coach that's coaching these guys doing that has been huge for us. So it's been awesome in that regard. So
0: well that's awesome. You've had a lot of good experiences, uh, particularly early on. So that, that'll that'll help you as you go. I'm curious, are you
1: from Georgia? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. Never left. I've tried to get out a couple times, but um <laughs> never had the Never, never. Where did you go to high school? Unfortunate. I went to Starsville High School up in uh, Fayetteville, Georgia. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've been in Georgia my whole life. I, I lived in I lived in Texas for like I think like nine months when I was like four. That's the only time I've ever not been in Georgia. So it's been cool. Kind of grew up in the same area, and I've been down here in Middle Georgia and Southeast Georgia since. You know, I went to college, so it's been eight yeah. years in Statesboro. Went to Milledgeville for three, and now I'm back in Savannah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, not a bad place to be for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt.
0: Hey, um, real quick, you, you mentioned several guys, but like, you know, when when the when the chips are down, you got to make a hard decision. Maybe maybe for instance, when you left uh, Georgia Military to go to Savannah State, who, who are some mentors, some guys you're going to talk to? You know, to help you make the difficult decisions uh, as you move forward. All right, Nate. Hey, um, talk to us about some coaches that, that you lean on. You know, when the when the chips are down and uh, you got to make some difficult decisions. Probably some guys you called. You know, before you headed to Savannah State, you know, just to talk it through to make sure it was the right opportunity. Talk about some of those guys. I mean, you mentioned some guys earlier that you probably bring up again, but, you know, maybe mention one or two guys you really lean on as a mentor.
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's pretty cool. I've had some really great people invest in me in different ways. Um, So with um, Coach Davis, was definitely, you know, with him giving me my start and all that, he was a big, he's been a big part of, you know, my coaching career and kind of teaching me about football, how it works, kind of how the mental game of it aspect of it works and just spending four years with him and like literally every single day with the man. Like he's always a guy that whenever I need something or I need advice, he's definitely one that I always call. Um, coach Atkins is another guy, the guy that I worked with over at Georgia Southern, the and coach. Um, He also also helps me out a lot with a bunch of those things. Um, Just being able to, you know, whether it be new drills or just kind of processing through and calling people for me. And then I'd say one of the top ones that really has given me advice and helped me out in a bunch of different ways is uh, Coach McGee, Del McGee, um, who's over the running backs coach over at Georgia now. But he, me and him developed a, a cool relationship at Georgia Southern Um, and he was always been like, always mentored me in different ways. And just anytime I need something, like I can call him and he'll always pick up the phone or get back to me as soon as he can. And that's been really cool. Um, to kind of deal with that. But another guy that I met through GMC that has really helped me out a lot too, is coach Wolford, who's the online coach over at South Carolina. So, um, me and him developed a pretty good relationship when I was coaching one of his players when he first got there, South Carolina. So he was, you know, he was able to teach me a lot of different things the drills to teach Dennis to kind of train him and get him ready for the – and get him ready until he got to South Carolina and always just let me come in the door and talk to him about different things and uh, kind of in the same scenario, like, if I ever need something or someone to call for me, like, he'll be like, yeah, have him call me. You're good in that regard. So – just – um, and there's a lot more. Like, Coach Fritz, I mean, he's always been – like, that guy as a head coach is unbelievable. Just always – anytime one of us has, like, a get-together or a bachelor party down in New Orleans, because that's where all my guys are at, all the guys I GA'd with, they're all at Tulane now. Um, Like, he's always there eating dinner with us, you know? And, like, just hanging out with the GAs. Like, that's what he does. It's the wildest thing ever. Um, and then, you know, Coach Munkin – just being the guy that he is um, anytime I need something or need a reference from him, I can always call him. And um, with him living in Savannah, you know, the last time he came down here, we kind of packed cross paths in a couple different places. So um, it's really cool. It's really awesome that I've worked with some just really stand up, great people. I've been blessed in that regard. Like, I mean, I never would have thought when I was 16 years old and said, Hey, I want to do this, that, I'd have worked for such great men. Like, you know um, not only are they good coaches, but they're really great men and they've been great mentors to me and the players that, you know, they've coached, which is why that's part of the reason why we've we as a staff have gone out and hired those guys because we know they're great kids and know they've been mentored by great people. And, you know, we respected them as players. So um, it's been cool. I've been really blessed in that regard. Like, I don't know how I got I don't know how I got so lucky to be honest with you. It's it's been a blessing. So I've been able to do some really cool things in my short time doing this. So um being at Savannah State, like even Coach Quinn, like just being able to work with him and learning about different things. And you know, here at Savannah State, they were the losing this program. They were literally the worst offense in division one. Like they had they were ranked 128th out of 100 or 132nd, whatever, how many teams. They were at the bottom. They were the worst offense from the league. Um, and we were able to turn that around and, um, you know, get to the middle of the pack. So, but that was from Coach Quinn, like, being able to – Coach Quinn's had some – he always gives me great life advice and allows my son to come to every practice. And just being able to be able to spend time with my, my son who's two years old and getting him to come to practice, like, I can turn on all our practice film and you'll see him jumping around in the back (laughs) in the film. And we always like kind of laugh because we'll see him on film doing something as we're watching it. Like there's no amount of money that can replace that time. And that experience that my son's getting to be able to be around such a great group of guys and how, when he goes out there, like he feels like he's one of them or like one of us, like it's really weird. So I've been blessed to be able to do that and, and uh, learned how to kind of, you know, learned a lot of great things from those guys. So it's been really cool. It's been, it's been a blessing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah.
0: No, no, that it, you've had a great experience thus far. And, uh, and that's awesome. I, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have, uh, you know, in your experience thus far, it's nice to be able to have up, upstanding, upstanding, great coaches to help you. Um, not everybody, not everybody does that. So, um, yeah. You, you, you've you've had a you're right. It's a blessing, no doubt. Yeah, not luck. Yeah. yeah, absolutely,
2: Coach. Let me ask you a little bit about football now. Um, so uh, your your time at uh, Southern uh, under Monken, you guys ran the flexbone. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you liked about the flexbone, and then maybe talk about the the old Florida Gators man. That 2013 game, man. I bet that was a blast. Yeah,
1: that was uh, no uh, doubt about that. About that. Oh, no. So it was, it was cool to just kind of be able to see like our offense evolve. Like we started off, like we kind of came in then into a similar scenario that I'm in here at Savannah state where we came in with the five and six team Georgia Southern had only had one other two other teams with losing records. So this was, that was the third, I was a part of the third losing season in the 20 something year history that had been there since the eighties. And, um, you know, the the way that our guys kind of just like learn the offense and the process and the detail it took to kind of learn um, the fundamentals and stuff like that, like it's incredible um, just to see that growth that we had and then being able to see like how they were able to take that – take it where we were just basically running, a you know, 12 and 13 – you know, 22 and 23 with some belly G option behind it and some just rocket toss. And then being able the next year to get into all these different formations, a lot of the same formations you're seeing from Army now, some of them even, you know, more exotic than what they're doing now. And being able to do a lot of the same things, but just out of multiple formations and being able to get a little bit more advanced with what we were doing. And um, just just getting to see kind of what Coach Davis, how Coach Davis had taken it um from just being a getting in spread getting in over getting in heavy to getting into like heavy with um getting into a mix of like over and heavy with like an eight back eligible to the weak side all these funky formations that like no one knew how to line up to but he had to do it vmi because they were they were so average um like he took that to georgia southern and we had good players you know and that helped us out a lot so um But just learning how to formate people from Coach Davis was, like, that's something that to this day, like, I cannot – I cannot, like – it's just different, like, just learning how he thought and how he would manipulate people was incredible. And So just being able to be a part of that and learning about all the different intricacies of the flex offense was – it was fun. It's something that, you know, until I kind of got later on into my career – I had no idea how similar the flex bone was to a traditional offense. Like I had no idea how the fundamentals crossed over and all the things that I had learned, how they were going to help me in the future um, with running inside zone, you know, cause that's all we do now is run inside zone and power, but all the fundamental and all the teaching and all the body mechanics and all that stuff that I learned from coaching O line and the triple option, it's all the same stuff. That I mean, look, Charles Bentley, what he's teaching is the same exact thing that you guys are teaching as triple option coaches. It just looks different. You just got 60% of your weight forward. But as all that man talks about is triggering your knee and training guys to trigger their knee and transition their weight. Well, triple option coaches were probably the first people to really go into detail and, and, like, really understand how important that is for an offensive line, you know? I mean, that was the number one thing that coach Deb. that was the first thing I learned about was hey, you got to transition your weight. You got to get your second step in the ground and get your feet in the ground as fast as possible. Well, now is all I'm teaching is the same exact process, just from a 50 50 stance and being balanced. And so, um, those fundamentals, I tell people all the time, it's like those triple option coaches, they are by far the best coaches in America because they are coaching. Like, you know, you can get away. At the big time level, with just recruiting good players and just saying, Hey, go right, go left, get your second step in the ground, look at the safety rotation, do all that. But if you're coaching in the triple option, like you got to coach and you got to be fundamentally sound and you got to do all those things. Um, and you got to be detailed. And so I think that's really helped me out of just like learning how to be detailed from that offense and just doing all that. So, kind of lost track of the question. I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know. That's, that's all right, man. Coach, I, I, Coach he's yeah. great, man. Yeah, but about Florida. Now, Florida was an interesting experience. So, um, I remember when we were playing them. I'm watching film, and I'm like, "Yeah, these guys are unbelievable." Um, I don't care that they're four and whatever they were. I think they were four and six at that time. I think we played them the 11th game of the year. But I was like, "Yeah, these dudes are. These dudes are legit." Like we played SEC teams, we played Alabama, we played Georgia, you know, we played all those guys and we were like, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't compete with them. You know, we did our, we put up good numbers. We had the most yards against Alabama in 2011 that anyone did until Johnny Manziel broke it, you know, almost a year and a half later. So going into that game, you know, it was like, Hey, we got a good plan. We think this stuff is going to be good. We're going to be able to score some points, but you know, it's still Florida. But uh, I'll never forget walking in the office on a Tuesday and seeing Jarek McKinnon walking by. And I looked at him. I go, dude, what's wrong with you, man? He's like, because he was he's usually joking and goofing around. And I walked in and I saw him and he was like, serious, i all get out. I was like, you all right. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. We're going to beat Florida. I said, "Okay, cool. Whatever you say, man. Like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we are. All right. Like, and then I'll never forget after the first quarter when uh, they were, they lined up in like 22 personnel I and tried to run like ice or something to the left. I don't know. I just remember them getting in like 22 personnel. I, and I was like, Holy smokes, we're going to beat these guys because they are just like, we were down a corner. We were playing with a guy that played at a non-scholarship school. He um, was a good player. Like he helped us out a lot. He actually made some really good plays in the game, but we're sitting out there going, like, we don't have our best two corners. Like, we're we're short on defense. Like, if they throw the ball at all, like, we're going to get posted. And our guys just rose to the occasion. To be honest with you, like, they, our defense played, played lights out. And, you know, our guys, they believed they were going to win. Like, they knew they were going to win going into the game. And so um, it was cool to just kind of be a part of it and see, like, because I knew after the first quarter, after I saw what they were doing on offense, and we had had some success, we didn't score. I don't think we scored in the first quarter, but we had had some success and we'd been moving the ball. It's like, oh, wow, like if they keep doing this, we're going to win. Like we're going to legitimately beat these guys. And we end up beating them. And so it was uh, – that was probably that – was, that, that was definitely one of the highlights. I still don't know if it topped the 2010 win versus App um, that we had when we beat them at home – and that kind of gave us our final jump to get to the playoffs, that might still be my favorite win of all time. But the Florida one's definitely up there for sure because, I mean, there's just nothing like being a little FCS team. You're transitioning to FBS and you beat Florida. So it's it was really cool to see. It was really cool to be a part of, and um, it was a really great experience. And it's still something that lives – Lives in Georgia Southern history. You know, it was a great oh, yeah. transition to the next to the next phase, phase of Georgia Southern. So that was good.
2: Well, speaking of Jarek McKinnon, coach, can you maybe talk a little bit about him? I mean, here's a guy. He's a running back now, and he's moved on to the NFL, right? But you guys played him at quarterback, right? How did that work out? How did that happen? It was great.
1: I mean, fast. You know? <laughs> I mean, we. I, the best part about him was like he was willing. That he's one of the best team guys I've ever been around um you know our offensive coordinator coach Demasi. he was the third team quarterback um but him and Jerick were good friends and he still talks about like the guy's worth work ethic and it's just unbelievable like the stuff that that guy would do like it didn't matter what he did the night before he would be in the gym 6 a.m working out like not, not with the team, like by himself at the rack, like at the school's recreational center, like pumping iron, getting ready to go for the day. Like he was just an absolute machine. And so, um, you know, in that, in that Florida game, he had broken his hand. So we played him at a back two weeks before we played him at B back three weeks before he was playing quarterback. You know, we were able to do everything with him. And then in, in uh, 2012, he was our starting quarterback. So um kind of our philosophy with him was just get the ball in his dang hands and let him go work because smart he was coaches. Free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were smart coaches, no doubt. They were, you know. It was it was find a way to get Jarek the ball. So we would we would literally game plan. If we knew they were gonna make us give the ball a lot, we would put him at B back and let him play B back that week. If we knew they were gonna let us get on the perimeter and pitch it, we'd put him at A back. If we knew they were gonna let the quarterback keep the ball, we'd put him at quarterback. And he was, and that just tells you what kind of kid he was. Like, he could be able to do it all. Wish he could have thrown the ball a little bit better, but you know, for the most part, I mean, shoot, he just—he's just a ball player, which was really, which was really unbelievable. I mean, like, just being around him, like, we knew if he got invited to the combine, his draft stock was going to shoot through the roof because it's like, you know, we saw what he did in the weight room, we saw what he was doing, and all that stuff. And it's like, if this guy gets to the combine, like, and he got invited, and all story and you know he went from being a seventh i'd tell tell some of my kids about it now that i feel like have a shot it's like if you can get to the combine and go out you're gonna have a shot same thing happened with Brita. you know he goes and runs a 4-2 he was on no one's radar he goes and runs a 4 two nine, jumps a 42 and does some stuff like that you know jarek's dang, dang beat all but two offensive linemen on bench press you know as a freaking running back so um, that'll turn some heads pretty quick. So it was cool. It was cool to kind of see him grow as a man and see what he's doing now and see the success he's having. So it's always cool to see the, you know, the past we or showing players that I've been able to be around, be in the NFL and have success like that. So.
2: Speaking of the evolution you talked about earlier, like talk, can you maybe talk about going from the flex bone? I know there was, uh, different coaches in between when Fritz came in, right. But just kind of talk about, um, you know, evolving from the flex bone under center triple to, to more of the gun stuff. And uh, speaking of Matt Breida, right? As a special dude back in the day,
1: man. Man, I still pull up some of those flips and show some of my guys some stuff and it's like golly, yeah, I forgot how fast he was. So we have Coach Upshaw now, um, Fabian Upshaw, who's a quarterback, who split time with Kevin. Um, so you know, getting to watch him and Brita be on this field at the same time, smoking people down the field. It's just, I'm like, man, I got to Mike Fabian. We got to go find some guys like you and him. And he's like, he's like, no, you don't want any guys like me. I'm like, yes, we do. Yes, we do, man. So, um, but yeah, no, the transition was interesting. So um, the kind of the cool part about it was we came into playing division one football. So everybody's expectations were kind of low. Um. I'm not going to lie. I, my expectations were like, I don't know how this works. Like, we were under center triple. Like, we're trying to run inside zone. Like, I don't – I don't it's know. That boot sure. man,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was kind of <laughs> weird um, at first. But then after I kind of got into it and started, like, learning about it and watching what we were doing, I was like, oh, wow. Like, this, this is actually a really good fit for us because, like, yeah, we were – you know, we had 300-pound guards that were physical – we had longer tackles that were athletic, and then, you know, our center was a little bit undersized, but he's a good player, and, you know, I'd put him in a fight with anyone. So, but he was, you know, it's been, you know, so it was it was really cool to see, but that's when I kind of learned about, like, how fundamentally sound these guys were. And we got lucky because we played with five seniors our first year, or excuse me, well, there were five seniors there. Um, but we had a guard that was a role guy that was a junior, but they had all been in the offense, you know, and they'd all played snaps. And I think the lowest amount of, well, the right tackle, he was a walk on that had been there five years, started in like three or four games and the left guard, had started in about six or seven. So, um, but the transition was a lot smoother than I expected. Um, the concepts are the same though, you know, blocking inside zones a little bit different, but it's not as, uh not as detailed. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, like you still have to be detailed in your coaching is that's not exactly what I meant, but like, you're not just running as many plays. And so, um, you know, they were used to running up, you know, running after guys and not chasing them when they went over the top. And so they kind of had some eye training. Um, but the biggest difference between the under center stuff and the gun stuff is just the eye training and eye discipline with the interior line. Um, But everything else in the backfield is pretty much the same. The hardest thing for our quarterbacks was they were used to just hitting the corner and going downhill, whereas in the gun you got to stretch it a little bit more. So that was kind of a big – that was the biggest transition for them. But being able to pull and pitch the ball and being able to read the end and have a feel for it, like, it's a lot easier when you're backed up five yards, you know, like being able to actually see it and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's – hey, I can outrun him, you know what I mean? Whereas when it's coming under center, you're like, all right, well, we're going now. Bam. And rolling. So um like I think there's some certain stuff that was that was easier doing the gun stuff, but also like there was some there's also some stuff that was a lot different for them that kind of that took a little bit more time to train. So um, but the good thing was like all the guys that were coming in motion, they knew how to do that. You know, they knew how to stay in phase. They knew how to do all those little details. And so a lot of the things I struggled with last year at Savannah State, like when we, when we transitioned, it was like these guys knew how to do all those things. So, um, like, I look back a lot on our time at, you know, being able to look back through time at, you know, 2010 to 2015 with two different staffs and two totally different offenses and kind of be like, okay, this is how we were coaching it in the under center stuff. And, like, now we can use that in this aspect of it. Hey, this is how we were coaching it in the gun stuff. Now we can use this aspect of it. So it's been kind of cool to see um, see how it works. The difference is you can't block all 11 guys, you know, and the under center you can get them all. You know, you got a guy for everyone. and the gun stuff, you don't always have a guy for everyone. But, you know, they're not filling downhill as fast. They're a little bit slower. You can misdirect them and move them, and it's a lot easier to know what they're going to be in. You know, it's, I don't know how it is in high school, but in college it's a lot easier. Like, you know exactly how they're going to line up to a certain personnel group in a certain formation, and you know exactly what their blitzes they're going to send, you know exactly what it's going to look like, whereas in the under center stuff, you know, you might not have any film. So you kind of have to guess and predict and be like, well, there are four down teams, so they can play us like this. But they have shown that they like to play a little bit of odd here and there, so they can play this, or they can just line up in a random bear, you know, out of nowhere, because they have really good D linemen, you know. Sanford was a great example of that. Sanford, I don't think they ever gotten bear until they played the triple option. It was like, you know, okay, cool. So um, being able to be predictable, a little get defenses that are a little bit more predictable, and understanding that has been nice for us. Like, that's part of the thing, reason why I like the gun a little bit, not a little bit more, but I like them both about the same. But that's why it's easier for me, like, because you know, just know what you're going to get. You're not going out there guessing, you know, so that's That's, that's, that
2: that's super interesting because me and Coach McLeod, we, we always ask uh, Flexbone guys when they come on, like, um, how many times have you guessed the defense correctly that you're going to get? And they're like, we're over every year, you know what I mean. We all they have like a pool in there, and their coaching staff. What what defense are we going to get for this week? You know what I mean. That's that's interesting uh a perspective that you give us there about the gun. You know, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it is. It's wild, man. Like, and, and I think that's that's been a huge help for me. Like, kind of being having to like, all right, like we're playing Florida, and we don't know what they're going to do. So you have to literally watch every game and see like okay, when they get a tight end, this is this is their number one way they line up. This is their number one coverage. Okay, does that match what we think they're going to do? You know, they're playing four down. They're predominantly four down. Like, we don't think they're going to play odd. So let's try to, you know, let's try to just practice even this week and pray to God it works out. You know, so, um, you know, when you get in high school, like I've talked to some coaches that will be like, yeah, they just flipped their game plan up, which is usually a good thing for you because they're not used to playing it and they're playing a new offense. But, um, yeah, in college, it's – I think we've gotten it – I think we've only gotten it one time. But Coach McGee knew the defensive coordinator there and he knew what he was going to do because he was like, they're going to line up in odd just like Georgia did the week before. And I was like, Coach, there's no way they're lining up in odd He goes, I know they're going to do it because he's – He's going to do exactly what Georgia did. And I'm like, that's dumb if they do that. But he was dead on. They did. And he scored 52 points. So, um, <laughs> you know, but it was like, but he was, but he, that's the only time we've been caught kind of off guard a little bit, you know, with certain stuff now. But like I said, like being able to not know what's going on and be able to like having sit with Coach Davis and like him teach me like, okay, this is why they're doing this and this is what I think they're going to do to us because they're doing X, Y, and Z. Being able to learn about the defense, like that's probably one of his strongest suits is just understanding exactly how the defense is going to play you and what they're going to do. And so being able to sit with him and learn from him how that stuff worked was a huge, huge deal for me. Cause I've been able to take a lot of the same concepts and apply them to the gun stuff. Like I know, okay. Okay. Like, I'll go and watch every single run play that a team runs every week, like, even though they won't face any zone read and see where the safeties fit and what coverage they're calling. So I know exactly where I'm going to get my pulls from. You know, like, all right, hey, I'm getting, if they line up in this coverage, the safety's going to fit here. If they line up in this coverage, the safety's going to fit there. All because of what we had to do in the under center. Like, and it doesn't make sense to some people because they're like, 're not going to do that they won't do that and it's like well they have to do that because that's how they fit and and it's just it doesn't make sense sometimes because right. it's like well they got to play you know they're gonna play man well it's like yeah they're gonna play man but where are they gonna fit that's all I care about is like where they're fitting being the old line coach you know I care about where they're fitting where's the other offense is like well how many are gonna be on the perimeter I'm like, I don't care how many are gonna be on the perimeter. I just want to know where these guys are fitting and how I can manipulate those guys fitting. So um, you know, it's a good balance to have being able to do that. So it's interesting stuff though. It's interesting to see like I still watch a lot of triple option film, you know, kind of in anytime Navy, Army, or Georgia Tech was on TV the last couple of years, just seeing like what people are doing and how exotic it's gotten and how how much different stuff people are giving them like running that stack look nowadays and how yeah. kind of everybody's doing the different things with that and, you know, playing a little bit more mixed fronts, I guess you could call it, and having people do different things with that. So it's interesting. It is. Very interesting. Look, uh,
0: coach, talk a little bit about Atlanta State. I mean, you guys have had an unbelievable turnaround. Obviously, you know, great 2019 season at 7-3. I mean, we obviously, we hope you do even better this year. We don't know. What about, but, um, you know, t- talk about your gun triple stuff you do there. Um, I-, I know you've mentioned uh, as we've gone along, it's, it's uh, pretty simple working on techniques, right? But just talk a little bit more about it and, um, and maybe talk about, Maybe some things, maybe one or two things other than scheme um, that that helped aid you in the in the turnaround program.
1: Um, so, just just being around, um, so like kind of that helped with that. That doesn't apply to scheme. The big thing is just the big thing that the triple option and stuff like that taught me was you got to play with great effort consistently. And there is no second effort. It's constant effort. Like, you got to play, you know, balls to the wall, every single snap. And so that was kind of our number one deal. Scheme didn't take as much of a precedent as it did as teaching these guys how to play hockey. So we won. We lost our first game. And the only reason why we lost the first game was we had mental errors. We had all that stuff. But we didn't play with great effort. And so the next three weeks is all we did was just work effort. It's all we did, we worked on effort, chasing the ball, like doing the little things in that regard of just playing hard. And we were able to win our next three games just off of literal effort. That's all we did. And so after we kind of mastered that technique of playing with effort, then we started to transition into more of like, okay, now let's start to break the scheme down more. But it's, like, go the right way and play with good effort and good things are going to happen. And that was one thing that, you know, Coach Munken was huge on and Coach Fritz huge on, like, playing with great effort and chasing the ball, doing those things. Um, And then the other thing that does nothing to do with scheme is just ball security. Like, ball security is the most important thing. And um, I think we do a deal every year with them. They went from averaging 2.1 turnovers a game to we averaged 1.3. We had one game with three turnovers in it, which kind of killed our average a little bit. Um, And we had a turnover with it. That was a pick at the end of the game. But um, but we averaged only 1.3 turnovers a game. And we had three games where we didn't turn the ball over at all. And um, that was the reason why we were so successful, Um, not because of the offense that we ran, not because of all that. It was purely based upon playing with great effort and taking care of the ball. And so that's kind of what, um, when we played Alabama, you know, we're an FCS powerhouse. Alabama's a, you know, Alabama was the preeminent powerhouse in FBS football at that point. And it's like, well, why, you know, how come what we're doing works and how come what they're doing works? And then I started to look at them more, and it's like, well, they have good players. You know, we have good players. Well, they run the ball. You know, yeah, they throw, you know, probably 40% of the time. But they run the ball 60% of the time. And then the other thing was they play with great effort. And we, we both, as those, when, we, when I started to look at it, it's like, well, we both do the same things, you know. Like, we have good players. We play hard. We run the ball, you know, and don't turn the ball over. And so those are things that I think, like, schematically, if you can get those down, like, that's why the triple option in itself is just such a good offense because, you know, you work on those things. You work on the details of it, and you can be – have a bunch of average Joes out there and go five and five. You know, you can have – when you start to get really good players out there, that's when you start to win national championships, you know, or state championships, <laughs> or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I think those are the big things, but when it comes to schematics, you know, we've been able to dabble a little bit more into things in the spring. Um, we had a short time building up to this point. I went from having six guys in the spring. My first spring here had six guys in 2019 spring. Then I got it up to 11 in um, 11 or 12 in the fall and then i went back down to 10 in the spring and now i'm up to 18 in this after this fall camp and so coach quinn like he made a big emphasis on recruiting alignment i signed five of them i brought in three walk-ons like so we are up to 18 now um we we had 20 of them but we moved a couple of the different positions we moved one guy we had the tight end because we lost the tight end and um And I was like, this kid, I never say this, but I was like, this kid's too athletic to play tight end. Like he's physical, he's all these things, but he's too athletic to play a line. He's got to play tight end and we needed a spot there. And so that was a good feel for us. But, um, so this was the first time that I've had a full group of guys and being able to work with those dudes. Like now we're going to be able to be even more multiple because we're going to be able to be fresh and they have an understanding. So, just kind of like we, we worked on building blocks. We weren't able to do anything really ultra special in the first part of the year, but kind of the way we work is we, I call it layering. And it's kind of the same concept as a triple option. So you start with, you know, just working 22 and 23 and 12 and 13, just triple and inside and inside get and just working those concepts and you do it for three or four days and you get good at it. And so we kind of do the same thing. We just run inside zone for three days and then we add the different tags to those things. Um, and then, you know, we start to work on our specialty plays. So our next play we'll do is power. You know, when you're under center, you usually do belly G, some along those lines. Um, but just kind of layering everything. We'll work inside zone, get the concept of that. Then we'll go to power. And then eventually, like day eight, we'll put in like a speed option or something like that. And so we just have to kind of build on it and roll with that. So, um, teaching the actual play in the gun is a lot easier than it is in under center, but that execution of it and the understanding of it takes a lot more time. Um, The hardest thing for the gun stuff is linebackers move and you can't lock onto them. Whereas under center, the linebackers are pretty stable. Yeah. They might scrape, but you're, you're moving at such a fast pace. You run into the guys. Whereas in the gun, you know, you're at a little bit slower pace And those linebackers are shooting across your face, chasing the thing flat, and now you got to train your eyes. So we do do a lot of eye training. We do a lot of what we call zone verse movement. We're practicing just D-line moving, linebackers moving, practicing all that stuff so we can train our guys' eyes. And it's what it ends up doing with just working the same fundamentals over and over again, much like the under center triple. Working those same fundamentals over and over again, you're able to build and layer plays on top of each other so we ran inside zone and power we started and so we just started doing that and then in the middle of the game I got tired we were getting our, our butts kicked by Alcorn and they just kept running counter on us and we had talked about it but I was like just put counter in let's run it I'm tired of seeing these dudes run counter up our butt like it was just getting annoying to me like Man Ray just put in counter on the sideline but and the other offense coordinator was like, well, that's just the wildest thing ever. Like, why would you put that in the middle of the game? And it's like, well, we're not doing anything different. The tight end's doing the same job that he does on, you know, our base inside zone triple. He's just wrapping underneath the end, you know, which he does if the end stays wide. The only difference is the guard's flat pulling, you know? So that's kind of how we work. We just kind of layer it. And so then we started working into this just – being able to do more counter stuff just because I felt more comfortable with power. And so just getting creative on different ways to make it look different. We ran some same side counter where the tight end would fake to the left and then wrap it underneath, making it look like triple trying to pull the linebackers if they're key in the tight end, um, just doing some little stuff like that. So we had, we usually have inside a pretty good bit. So I get to go to inside and just do like all kinds of crazy different things, towards the end of like fall camps and stuff like that when I get bored and tired of running just base inside zone, split zone and power. It's like, all right, now how can we make this look look different? And so that's when we come up with all our ideas. And half the plays we come up with are from the kids. Like they're like, Coach, you know, we did this in high school. What if we do it like this? All right, go try it. And inside, if it looks good, we'll do it. And the counterplay, the same side counterplay is kind of how we came up with that you know, one of the tight ends came up and said, hey, why don't we do, why don't we just take three steps this way and wrap it underneath? You know, we did that about Asta. And I was like, sure, whatever, man. Do it an inside day. See how it looks. Next thing you know, we're watching it and the backers are hauling butt this way and we're hitting the counter at the back door like for a freaking touchdown. I was like, okay, that sounds good. So just like kind of taking input from players, they've done different stuff, you know. And if, and I, my biggest thing is, if you allow them to put the onus on it and you allow them to take ownership in what they're doing, we are going to be way more successful because, you know, they have a feel for what's going on. They're out on the field. So if they're like, Hey coach, we want to run this play. All right, we'll go run the play. Cause they're, they're confident in it and they want to do it, you know? And then there's sometimes you gotta be like, Hey man, like that's a little too exotic for stuff right now. Like, Let's give it some time. But for the most part, like during the middle of the game, I'm talking to the O line and they're like, Coach, we want to run this play. We're going to drill them on it. It's like, All right, cool, run it. And then if they don't drill them on it, then I bring them aside. I'm like, What are you doing, guys? You guys said we had this, you know? So um, usually that doesn't happen, but um, just putting the ownership on them because I think that's a really big, big part of it. But that takes time and them understanding. But I feel like now we're getting to that point as an offensive line, like, I'll let them check protections. Like, we'll let them check protections. If you feel like you want to set it the other way, just let the running back know. Um, we'll let them. – we'll let the quarterback check the plays for certain looks to kind of keep us out of bad play calls. They're starting to get to the point where they can do that and check it and say, oh, we got stand-up ends. We're going to check speed option. Or, hey, I don't like that route versus coverage. Um, we didn't anticipate to get this coverage. I'm going to check it to this route, you know hey, I don't like power here because they're overloaded this side. Let's run inside zone into it, you know? So giving them the ability to do that stuff, I think helps out a lot because then they can protect you from getting a look that you didn't expect to see in that scenario. So um, especially like in practice scenarios, like when we script it, then they script it based off the personnel and you're not doing it off of anything. So they'll be in practice checking stuff we're like we'll be in a scrimmage and they're working a certain blitz so they'll see it and they'll check the play so it's been cool to kind of be able to get those guys to the point where they had no clue what was going on to now being able to understand it and have a good idea of it so but yeah it's 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 um it's intriguing stuff so I think I answered yeah. your question yeah yeah, sure. yeah 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 you're
0: uh-huh. sure. you're right. Hey, um, We get this question a lot And I think you're probably You probably of all we've, we've about 50 episodes here Option yeah you're probably the best Qualified to answer it so We get this question all the time Can you do both Under center Flex bone or triple And gun
1: In my personal opinion No Thank i you. don't think you can <laughs>
2: <Thank> um you.
1: <laughs> we tried to a little bit we tried to a little bit in 2012 and 2013 and verse like citadel it like saved us but you can't be extremely good at the gun stuff if you're really good at the understanding yeah. stuff you know now i think the auxiliary plays off of it like belly g speed option Maybe some jet toss, um, you know, certain things like that. You can kind of match up. I think power and under center triple match up pretty well. I think Kennesaw did a pretty good job with that. Like they ran a lot of power read stuff, but I just don't think running inside zone. Um, I don't think running inside zone out of the gun is is effective. And I've seen a lot of people do the four pistol stuff where they run it kind of the same, but it just doesn't hit as fast and it looks a little weird. Um, yeah. I've never been a huge fan of that, but I don't know. I mean, it works for people, but I just, it's just not been, not been my cup of tea. So, but like I see people on Twitter doing it all the time and they're freaking ripping yeah. people. So, you know, just because I haven't had success with it doesn't mean it isn't successful. So, um, but no, in my personal opinion, I don't think you can. Um, I think you can do it, but I don't think you can be as effective as you need to be, where you can say like, "Hey, this week we're running triple option. Next week we're going full sale gun. You know, but
0: yeah, no, I, I, you'd be surprised how many people ask us that question, right, Tony?
1: Oh yeah, and
2: and I'm I'm a guy who naively thought i could do it uh, back in i think 2017 we went to more of a gun no huddle type deal and we used the uh for our cadence we were like a clap team right to call for the ball and uh then a couple weeks into the season i was like you know what i'm gonna put rocket in under center you know and we go to do it and uh the cadence was an issue the timing was an issue the kids totally forgot all that and i was like Wow, I didn't realize it was it was going to be this difficult you, you, to be able to do that. You know, it's it's something, man. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's 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 hard for the players. I know that. So um, yeah,
1: sixty yeah. percent of your way for just in the O line world, you're used to just like doubling people and moving them back, and that was really like it didn't look terrible. Like when we pulled the ball and got on the perimeter, it was fine. It was just people started realizing when we got in the gun, they didn't have to do anything but just squat the end. And so then our front or front side combo would get jacked up a little bit, and our backside combo would be like getting movement out, you know, getting a ton of movement. And then the back or the play side or backside linebacker, depending upon how you want to call it, the guides to the for running zone left, the backer on the left side would just scrape through the in between the, the center and the backside guard, and just freaking nail it. And I would, yeah. I would always look at him like, "How is this not a bigger play?" But the fits of it are just so much different. And conventional teams are used to fitting inside zone, whereas they're not used to fitting under center. And so I think there's certain times where, like I said, you can get away with it if you can get the ball in the perimeter. Like we had great success running midline out of the gun. Um, versus a four-three, where we looped the tackle, where we knew we were going to get a pull and knew we were going to get a pitch. Like we had great success on that because we knew the ball was going outside. We got great angles, but if we hand the ball off, it was just you're not you're not having the chance to go to the house anymore. We didn't we didn't ever hit any real big ones off of it in the inside give. It was only on the perimeter. So I think the perimeter game out of it is fine. But like you said, when you try to start timing up different motions you have a totally different snap count if you're teaching the o line to be in the same stance like yeah. well then it's going to be totally different the backers are playing different they're they're able to see things a lot better cuz it's not right up in their face i just it's hard but i think the power stuff i was i think the power stuff is really good out of it though cuz the power stuff kind of matches up a little bit better cuz you're working that double team in the same fashion um you know, and you can get some jet power read, or just run straight power read, or just hand the power off. You know, but to do the triple stuff out of it, it's tough.
2: Now, what do you what do you think about inside zone? I mean, uh, as far I mean, I know that's what you guys run and everything, but um, what would you say to coaches that uh, give it a bad rap? They think that it's a soft scheme. I mean, got you know guys that are uh, beer guys. You know, we get that a lot it's a soft scheme. You know, different different stance. You know, guys are upward. You know, things like that.
1: Um, for the tackles, it is a little bit softer. I'll give them that, <laughs> you know, I'll give him that. But the guard, the guard's job's a lot harder. You know, um, you know, usually at most, depending upon what you're playing, you know, you don't have those big, massive guards when you're in the under center triple. I know Georgia Tech started to develop those guys, but at the end of the day, man, like baseball in the three is hard, and you got to be physical. And in order to run inside zone you know, 50 times a game, basically. What we did in some games are in it 50 times a game. Um, like, you got to be physical, you got to be disciplined, and you got to be able to move the line of scrimmage. Um, I was the same way. I was like, yeah, it's a little bit softer scheme. But if you're doing it for a living, like, I'll give it to them. Some of those spread, oh, spread zones where they're, you know, five wide and they're just running quarterback, basically draw in there and calling it inside zone lock. You know, I give them that, but kind of the inside zone that you know Georgia Southern's running now and that we run, it's a little bit different when it comes to that. Like you got to be physical, you got to be a masher, and you got to move them vertical. So, um, but but yeah, the the good thing the good thing about it is like a lot of the concepts on power match up with our inside zone, and so we kind of have that mentality on it—a power, more power mentality than we do. Uh, inside zone cover mode get in the way, type mentality. So it's all about mentality at the end of the day. There's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah. And you'll laugh. This year, um, we we just we just couldn't call it zone, so we ended up calling it slice. But it's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? To keep it in that world. You know what I mean? Of of uh, you know option uh, under center kind. Of, I guess you know what I mean. Of uh, uh, being aggressive, coming off, got to be tough because can't say zone, man. That's soft, right?
1: You know. These guys, man. no doubt. <laughs> well, the wild thing is, I'm talking to my, uh, I'm talking to one of my buddies, and I'm like, man, I just feel like I just can't get my guys to like turn it loose in some regards. And he's like, it's the way you're teaching it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're talking too softly to them. And I was like, okay, continue. And he was like, you just got to put a more physical word with it. And it's true, and it's it's been wild. So instead of just saying, like, hey, put your hand in there and hold the double team up, I started calling it a shoulder punch. And just being able to have, give them a visual of like a physical movement has helped out a lot in that regard. Because okay. I'm sitting there trying to like clinic talk them like I'm talking to you. Yeah. And then, like, oh, okay, like I'm going to be perfect and put my hand here, and they're getting freaking dope popped. And so, um, you know, just changing the terminology to be more physical. I mean, I'm telling you, if you called it zone, I bet you wouldn't gain as many yards as you do. It's calling it slice. I can guarantee that's right. you that.
2: That's, that's right, man. That's the Jedi mind trick, right? It is. <laughs> no
1: doubt. Well, you, you have verbal cues make a
0: huge difference in coaching. So, particularly when it comes to uh, self-correction, so I, I, I get it. Hey, um, real quick, your your inside zone concepts, um. Are you guys uh, trying to stay frontside uh, with your back in certain reads, or are you looking to cut it back behind the insertion point? Um, I do. So in other words, are you vertical um, or are
1: you, are you not, right? Like yeah, that's we're, going, we're going vertical and trying to hit it frontside. So it. Um, so that's kind of like our – that's like been my sticking point on it. That was when me and, you know, Coach Masi got together, me and Russ started talking about it. He's like, I want the ball to hit backside A. And I was like, no, you don't want the ball to hit backside A. You want the ball to hit frontside A. And he's okay. like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, I understand that it's not going to look the way it needs to look, but you have to trust me on this. And he did. He trusted me on it. And thank God he did because I at some, certain points I was like, all right, we're just going to change it like, because it took us a while to kind of pick it up. But we want to get vertical double teams. And – The whole theory behind it is the defense is squeeze scraping to the quarterback. So if we're running zone left and opening up to the right, you know, everybody's going to the quarterback. Um, So if we can get that safety to fit and that linebacker to scrape to the other gap, well now we're five for five. So I got five guys for their five guys. If we hand the ball off and if I decide to kick out with the tight end, Then we're six for six. So, um, and that's kind of what we look for is just how to get those guys zoned out. Because you can get an eight-man box, sometimes even a nine-man box, and after everything sorts out, it turns into a six-man box. And so with all the different things you do. So if you can hit it out to the front side A or B gap, you know, you're in good shape. So we sit on the center's butt and follow him, um, you know, try to get to his front side hip. And, you know, if the center's butt turns and you bend it backside, but we found, you know, if you bend it to the backside A, you know, you're going to get – if you break a big one, you're going to get tackled for probably 20. But if you can bust it through the front side B, everything's gone, or bust it through the front side A, then um, you're going to have a chance to go to the house every time if it can bend out there. So usually at that point there's no one left but a receiver in a corner and the receiver's backside cutting off, so the corner's chasing them. And usually you're good to go in that way. So um, we started breaking off some big ones towards the end of the year. If you look at, you know, the stuff we were doing at Georgia Southern, when Breed is busting it through there, it's going for the side B gap every single time for the most part, or it's going front side A and then pushing out to the sideline. So um, that's kind of, for me, it makes it a lot easier. Cause I'm like, okay, like you're going to block this B gap. You're not going to block this guy, but something's going to come in your B gap. So just keep vertical and just work that double team and everything will kind of sort itself out. So, um, you know, I think that's been a huge help. If you kind of watch, like if you do watch the Ravens on Sundays, like you'll start to see people start to play across and they're starting to squeeze, scrape them and it's starting to jack them up a little bit, but you'll start to see their backs start to bounce it and go out the front door or the back door. Cause they run duo, but bounce it out the front door if they're running zone and hitting to the front side A and starting to bust some bigger runs. So it's uh it's interesting. It's a weird concept because the backside cut isn't always a bad cut and you can always gain good yards there, but you're not gonna break the big one going through that backside A gap because there's always going to be an extra one fitting in the filling.
0: Yeah. That's a little bit of that zone dive influence, huh?
1: Yeah, it is. And it's kind of the same concept, you yeah. know, if you can, you're not hitting it. Like when you're running under center triple, you know, you might not be hitting it. You're hitting the thing front side. You know, if you wind it back, you're going to get tackled. But if you can hit it through the front side A or B gap, you're going to be good. The only difference in the gun is you're just opening up away from it, you know, yeah. instead of opening up to it. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's very similar in that regard. No doubt.
2: That's super insightful right there, man.
1: Yep.
0: Hey, uh, real quickly, I know you gotta go and, and we gotta go, but when you practice I can't I can't let it happen, Tony, you know I gotta ask.
2: All right, go ahead, man. When
0: you, when you, yeah, when you practice, right? Are you organized like like are you organized and practice like an under center flexbone team would? Um you know, pods, individuals. F lines, groups, teams, things like that, or are you just um, maybe like individual, like a group inside, and then and then like you probably have extra time when they're in nine on seven special teams, time. yeah, yeah. But but I mean,
1: are you, is it typical that way, or are you more under center
0: in the way you approach practice?
1: So we go the kind of the way we, we work is we've been tinkering with this ever since we got here. Um, but the way we've kind of settled on it is, so we'll do, we'll start off with like a 20 minute individual period um, and I'll get 25 minutes sometimes, and so yeah. quarterbacks, we usually do a special teams at the top, so they get indie during that time, and yeah. then they'll do like mesh with the quarterbacks and the D-backs for five or ten minutes, and then they'll go to perimeter after yeah. that. Yeah. And so after they get done with perimeter, whether it's you know, 20 minutes or 25 minutes into practice, then we'll get together with the O-line and the running backs and run half line. Sometimes we'll do it versus our defense. Sometimes we'll do it versus the looks just practice and hitting the spot for the running back. Um, We did not do that. And we had issues on the aiming points. Um, And so in the spring we started really doing it last spring. We really started doing it and we liked it a lot. We did it every single day. We started getting a lot more consistent on it. And so we'll work front side and back side. We started working doing we just run. We'd have the right side and the left side. We'd run zone right on both sides. So the back has to read the center and make his cut. So yeah. most of the times when you needed the back side to be a backside cut, but sometimes it'd be a front side cut. But he's just staying on the center's landmark. Um,
0: how long is that?
1: Is that a ten minute half line period? Yeah, it's a it's a ten minute half line period. Yeah, and that's then usually nice. we'll go to inside right after that with our defense. So we kind of get them warmed up and doing all that so for the offensive line is what I'll do is I'll work pods I'll do like my EDDs and then I'll hit yeah. my like sled for five minutes probably and I'll split up my drills because I'll even get coach Quinn over to come and help me he'll do the sled so he'll work one part of the fundamental I'll work the other part of the fundamental and then yeah. we'll do like a pods, like all right here's yeah. the backside double here's the front side double three, here's the base block and so yeah. I'll flip between two of them and he'll coach one guy gotcha. <laughs> And then we got a team. And yep. then uh, and then after that, the back half of our practice is special teams and all the skellies and all that stuff yeah. that, you that you know, most teams yep. do anyway that kind of serves the defense. Yep. Um, and our first team period will be, like, first and second down, and then our second team period will be a different scenario. So Coach Quinn, being a defensive guy, will practice second and 12 sometimes and all that, and it's like – Second and 12, we're going to run our same plays. Like, it <laughs> <laughs> you know, second and on. is not – we got probably more second and 12s this uh, – we got more second and 12s this fall camp than we'll ever get, hopefully, in a season. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're getting second and 12 no more than once a game. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's not a yeah. Distance at the distance
0: game, man. So <laughs>
1: Defensive guys, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But yeah. just putting stress on us. Oh, yeah. Um, I, we'll, so, we talk, yeah.
0: yeah. We'll talk more than tonight. You'll find out. I know that very well. Um, <laughs> so we we really thank you for coming on, man. Um, it was awesome. It was great. Really good. So thank yeah. you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that you got to, I got to occupy my time during this. Finally, um, man.
2: Finally, I finally had you
1: on, man. We should
0: have, we should have had him on a long time ago, Coach. I'm uh, telling you, man. Uh, good timing, man, for real. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. That's going to wrap this episode of the Meshpoint Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good, and leave you some comments that you might think. Uh, You'd like to hear about future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our MeshPoint podcast uh, has its own Twitter page, and that is at TheMeshPoint. Again, at TheMeshPoint. You can also find me on Flexbonation.com. I have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out particularly during the season. All right, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media. All
3: right guys, go to three face football on Twitter at three face football and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account and um the cool thing about it is, is every Monday, we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically, I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic, and it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and, uh, to, to get together and network and, and uh, get to know each other and you know we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern, and uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag Mesh Point to see everybody's responses uh, to, to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great, great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, Meshpoint gear, and, and other things like that, so uh, go check out that website as well.